We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel.com. Nick Wayland here with James Anderson. It is a Tuesday. March 26. James, we've, we've kind of been all over the map these last few weeks, jumping around um, with, with your baseball obligations, with the NCAA tournament. Um, but this is a podcast we wanted to do for a while. Um, we, we've kind of done it a few times, I guess, throughout the season. But I think we're, we're far enough along where we can finally choose um, you know, our, our end of season awards. So all the major awards will go through all NBA teams. I even put together a couple all rookie teams. I don't know if you went into that kind of depth. No. I'm assuming not. No. Um, but we'll get to all that. Uh, but first, the Minnesota Golden Gophers getting out of the round of 64. Where was the big Gopher watch party in Madison this past weekend? Uh, well, I was at a bar while that game was happening. Uh, wasn't necessarily focused on that game. Uh, I had them losing that game naturally. So. Got that one wrong. Nice. Um, yeah, who did they lose? Michigan State, I think, in round two. Yep. Hell, I, I completely missed that game, but I just I kind of assumed that's I what would happen. Didn't watch that one. 
Yeah, I really don't have any room to talk. I don't know if you accidentally caught the Wisconsin game. Uh, uh, if you happen to be I, at a bar that had that on on Friday. I actually, yeah, I mean, I actually foolishly picked them to win not one but two games and what were you thinking i, I clearly have, you have not watched, I've not watched this team much at all <laughs> and i watched a little bit of that game and i was like my yep. god these guys are not good yeah that was <laughs> a horrific second half i mean Pey- peyton pritchard though what are you going to do with a guy like that That's, i mean i, mean, I felt like skill. our our roto hoops team could maybe do okay against that bad we could have kept it within 20 like we would have just got it would have just been like a normal loss for us right. we would have lost by like 18 or 20 yeah. and we would there would have been some points in the game where we sure. were hanging around and- that was a for me a classic hedge the happiness pick um you know <laughs> something i i do more than i would like uh picked against wisconsin i'm in a, i was in a pool with like 30 or 40 people i was like one of like three people that picked against wisconsin um if i'd been watching that team all year i would absolutely despise them i mean that's like well, yeah the, i do that's yeah. like the exact opposite of what i like about basketball <laughs> i think i mean i i also follow marquette obviously with them being in state i don't really hate marquette I, that's this is a discussion for another day but i think marquette fans hate wisconsin basketball wisconsin basketball fans on the whole don't hate marquette like i generally i think i liked marquette more than i liked wisconsin before i went to wisconsin marquette always had way cooler teams throughout the 2000s i think than anything that wisconsin was putting out on the floor um but I, w- I would rather lose like marquette did to john morant than in the painstaking way that wisconsin went down on friday yeah that was pretty pretty pathetic i i didn't put this on the agenda so I'd, i hate to catch you off guard here um but through those first two games from what you were able to see any kind of impact nba draft wise um i'm gonna write something up for the site tomorrow you know kind of taking a look back at, at the first weekend of the tournament and I started doing my initial research and I, I had a hard time putting together a list of guys who I thought negatively impacted their stock. And, and part of it is, you know, over a one or two game sample, you know, there's only so much you can do either way. I thought a lot of guys maybe helped themselves, but it, it was tough to find guys who I thought, you know, my opinion after that game that I watched on Thursday or Friday is different than it was before. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I think Jared Culver mm-hmm. looked pretty good. Uh, I think he's probably going to go you know, top five ish. Uh, but that's, I think he looks pretty good in the sense that like, I think he could be, you know, an okay NBA starter on a decent team, like not, not uh, a ton of upside, but like a a really solid player. I think his intangibles look, looked really good. Just watching uh, a full game of Texas Mm -hmm. tech. Um, you know, I think the, I would have been surprised heading into the NCAA tournament. I think I, would have had it at like seventy thirty that Barrett goes two and Morant goes three, mm-hmm. and then now I think it's a much I think it's much more of a toss up in terms of who goes two. I know right. that John Morant's at at number two on a lot of mocks. I think it just really is going to come down to whichever team is picking two. Uh, I think there's evaluations are going to be kind of split across the league on those two guys. Uh, so I think he helped himself. Yep. Um, uh, you know Cam Reddish, I. There's all kinds of hilarious stats about how bad he is. Um. <laughs> he actually shot the ball okay. Like he was in my winners category just by default because he he scored. Yeah. And I think he had like four threes against UCF. I I saw a stat uh, get retweeted onto my timeline that he, like among, you know, players his size that have gone high in the draft, <laughs> he's dead last in uh, shooting percentage around the rim. I'm sure that's a misprint. <laughs> Which yeah, is I, weird. Like how. How is he so bad around the rim? But apparently he is. Is he the most obvious bus candidate among guys who are virtually locked into the top 10 that you can remember? 
in retrospect, Josh Jackson kind of meets that criteria, but Josh Jackson was, as you said last week, was so much better than Cam Reddish was at Kansas. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think it's the, – the problem is it's like it, it's such an obvious one that I don't even know if it'll go down as a bust. Like I think the team that takes him will be like, well, we know he can bust. <laughs> <laughs> We're just taking him because we really don't like the rest of these right. guys. Yeah, I, at some point the 20% chance that he becomes a really good player yeah. outweighs – you know the the almost fact that you're going to get a you know a guy at where nine ten in this draft who tops out as a role player. What do you think about Jeff Green as a Cam Reddish comp? Love it, love nice. it. A, a little bit less <laughs> athletic, Jeff Green. <laughs> I actually think that's a great comp. Um, and Jeff Green's college production was much much, much better. better. Like he was much more prolific. Better. Yeah, he was a great player in in, a, in an offense in Georgetown that really doesn't yeah. showcase NBA type of talent. Um, I'm with you that I think Morant. If you're talking winners. I don't. It did seem like it was almost a little bit of an exaggeration. I think a lot of people weren't really familiar with Morant and were so taken aback, you know, by by how he played against Marquette, which was awesome. Well, but he only took nine shots. They were doubling him like crazy. He made all the right decisions to his credit. But I like think my like my main takeaway and what made me uh, like him more was just that he was willing to just make the right decision the whole time, and that that was my first sort of experience of realizing just how bad his teammates were so like you know just getting to see for 40 minutes how bad his teammates were really kind of put into perspective uh just how impressive it is that he's averaging double digit assists well you're 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 watching the post game shows on on thursday night and you know his teammates were getting praised like because they did shoot the ball fairly well in in the game against marquette wide open three right right and you know they're they're saying like you know this is a coming out party for some of these guys they can really (laughs) shoot it then you get to florida state a team that has you know as much length as anybody in the country and those shots were very quickly shut off but i do think Morant played it the perfect way. Like like you said, he didn't force anything, you know, single digit shots, handing out the assists. Um, but then he still showcased like the Florida State game was out of hand basically three quarters of the way through the first half. You knew where things were going. He still gets over twenty points. He had what, five threes in that game. So, you know, I think he kind of showed off the passing in the all around game against Marquette, and then even in a blowout loss, still showed that, you know, he can be, you know, a guy who can carry the scoring load. So I think he was probably the biggest winner although he didn't have that, all that much to gain since he was already in that top three. Nas Little, 39 points through two games. A very quiet 20 uh, against Washington. I was, I was watching that game. I didn't realize he'd, he got up to 20, but 20-7 and seven against Washington, 19-4 and four against Iona. I mean, those are two of his three best games of the entire year. So in terms of what he could do over a two-game span to help himself, I, I think he's probably vaulted himself, right or wrong, back into like that top six or seven conversation. Yeah, I think I mean it wouldn't surprise me I guess at this point if he went ahead of Cam Reddish. Uh I mean they're both very just so much bust potential, so much like upside you can really dream on if you squint, right. but like you're not even even the teams that are highest on Little or highest on Reddish are going to acknowledge mm-hmm. the fact that it's uh far from a lock that they're even quality starters in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, uh you know, I think Little Little probably tests better than Reddish. Like Little's so. just uh, such a freak athletically. Um, yeah, I I think he after the top three, it's just so fluid. Uh, there's a chance he could even go like top five yeah. with another good game. Yeah, I think the the gap between three and four has maybe widened, and like Barrett hasn't been transcendent through these first two games, but he's still you know head and shoulders above whoever you want to put at four. Uh, on your list other guys i had on mine that helped their stock i mean zion continue like the fact that you know morant has played this well and that there's still a pretty big gap between he and 
and Zion, I think, speaks to how well he's been playing. Bruno Fernando, I thought at Maryland, was really, really good, especially in round one. Um, some of the finishes he had, what he was doing defensively, was a little bit more quiet uh, in their loss in round two. Carson Edwards, not exactly a big-time NBA prospect, but he had 40-plus in that win I, over Villanova. I think he's going to have a decent NBA career. Yeah. Um, don't think he's going to ever be like – he might not even ever be a starter, but I think he's going to just have like a seven- or eight-year NBA yeah. career and be really solid at times. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to these upcoming draft podcasts because I think – I think I'm just higher on Zion than you are, uh, just from so. what he's going to do right away. So those those will be fun debates, but we should save those for another yeah. day. Yeah. Last thing I want to bring up about the draft, Taco Fall. Yeah. Yeah. Is, some, is somebody going to take him at the end of the second round just because he's Taco Fall? Uh, <laughs> I feel like he became, even over the course of a two and a half hour game, he became like such a big national name. Like the way that they talked about him throughout that game. I mean, game. Teams, teams even as recent as like a year or two ago we're making terrible decisions for right. for huge outdated centers so i mean it, i think he'll, he'll probably go in the second round <laughs> second round yeah but i mean late. someone t- a team traded up to get tony bradley like two years ago like that jazz yeah yeah i think they uh was it some like the kuzma pick i think was somehow involved yeah. in that yeah Oof. uh last thing brandon clark 36 8 and 3 for gonzaga and spaler so another name that i think we'll be revisiting on those draft pods um do you want to talk Nurkic or Booker at all or just get right into awards uh we could just get right into awards all right let's do it because we'll probably do one like a playoff preview or something and we I can think kind so. of talk about the Blazers chances yeah in that yeah one. well if you haven't heard Nurkic obviously done for the year don't watch the play I I actually have avoided it. have you seen it uh no no I don't I don't watch those um but yeah all right let's start with MVP then I Two weeks ago, I thought Giannis had it locked up. I still think that Giannis is going to win it. Um, usually by now in the season, you have a very good indication if you follow these things closely as we do. I, I can't think of the last time that we've been almost at the start of April, and I really haven't thought, okay, this guy's for sure going to win. James Harden, or Adidas, I should say, took out a full-page ad in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel today to make James Harden's case for MVP. I'm not sure if they're aware that the citizens of Milwaukee are not actually voting on this award. Kind of a weird weird. tactic. Um, (laughs) Maybe the Journal Sentinel writers will see it, I guess, when they open the paper. Um, (laughs) But they play each other tonight. So, you know, there's only two meetings between these teams the the entire year. They play in Milwaukee tonight. As far as I'm aware, both Giannis and Harden are expected to play. Giannis has kind of been in and out these last couple of weeks after he rolled his ankle two weekends ago against Philly. Um... Part of the reason that I think the gap is narrowed, not only because Harden continues to have these crazy games, you know, every three or four, but my biggest argument when we talked about this, you know, a month or two ago was at that point, the Bucks were on pace to finish, you know, arguably 15 to 20 games better than Houston. And since then, Houston's gone on a run. They're only three and a half back of the number one seed in the West. They're 47 and 27. Milwaukee's 55 and 19, <clears throat> up four games on, on the number two Toronto Raptors in the East. So Milwaukee's going to win the East, but their record's not going to be, you know, there's a, there's a chance coming out of the all-star break that they could be a 64, 65, 66 win team. And, and they've slowed that pace a little bit, uh, partially, you know, due to the honest injury and some other injuries. But, you know, I, if the Bucks only finish six or seven games ahead of the Rockets, when all is said and done, I, I think this case that, you know, Giannis's team is, you know, so much better than, than Harden's team kind of evaporates a little bit. And obviously that hurts Giannis's case. Yeah, I uh I think I'm 
still voting for James Harden on this. Um, I mean, I think there might have been a window there in between this pod and the last time we talked about this where I would have flipped to Giannis. But, uh, you know, I was I was looking at the Rockets team, like, minutes played um, thing this year, and P.J. Tucker, like, by far, by far, has the second most minutes on the team. And then there are... Uh, there are four really good Bucks players that have played more minutes than Clint Capella, who's third on the Rockets in minutes. And then you've got, you know, guys like Gerald Green and Austin Rivers up there in the top seven for them in minutes. Uh, Harden is there's just a gigantic gap between his uh, offensive real plus minus and the next closest guys. And I just sort of think. You know, you could replace Harden with Curry, and they're probably a playoff team. Uh, you could replace Harden with Damian Lillard, and they might be in the mix for like a playoff spot. Maybe I think they're they're in that Clippers kind of zone. Yeah, I just I think the fact that like if they were just sort of hanging around like the six or seven seed, that'd be one thing. But just the mm-hmm. fact that he's lifted them to third and I know the Western Conference isn't what it's been in past years, but it's still going to take, you know, 44, 45 wins to get into the playoffs. And uh, I, I just think what he's done has just been a complete tour de force. Yep. And I think people are really struggling to kind of calculate how much of this Buck season is Giannis is doing and how much of it is just really, really good planning by the front office and really good health luck with the the Ursan signing yeah (laughs) yeah um so I I I wouldn't fault anyone for going Giannis but uh I think that Harden has just been more valuable I I have gone back and forth on this like I'm kind of the opposite of you I've kind of been Giannis for most of the year um I think I swung back towards Harden kind of in the midst of that that crazy run that he had before the break and then I think I'm back on Harden now. Like, I really don't know. If if, if I had to cast my vote today, I think it, it would really be 50-50. Uh, and obviously, I don't have a vote. Um, but it just feels wrong to me to not reward the guy who's averaging 36.5 points on for that for that type of number, pretty good efficiency. I mean, to be at 40% usage and, like, 62% true shooting mm-hmm. is pretty insane. <laughs> I, and I think, I mean, the aesthetics are what really penalize him right like if Steph Curry played the way that he played now like if you took Kevin Durant off the Warriors with some of the injuries that they've had and just how this season has gone Steph Curry could could reasonably put up similar numbers right yeah but I think the way he does it would be more acceptable and he would he would be a no-brainer I hate that people are penalizing Harden for the aesthetics of it it's just so stupid to me like (laughs) get over yourself like he's out there Kobe Bryant an MVP we gave Allen Iverson an MVP like you don't like watching him draw fouls like right nobody cares what what you like i mean he's getting his team wins they he's, are fouls he's like he's getting these fouls like if if every player in the league uh could do what he does they would get those fouls too yes no so. i completely agree I've, I've heard people say you know if this was a player award which i guess the players do have their own award that that nobody really cares about and they hand out like a month after the finals when everybody forgets about that um you know i think it was windhorse was saying he expects Giannis to win it in a landslide because you know some guys just don't respect the way that harden goes about it but no i'm with you i, I don't know if jealousy is the right word but I, I think those guys 
you know, they're almost a, a little jealous, I guess, of how he's kind of manipulated the referees to a point where it's not, you can't say he's cheating. You know, when you watch these games, like he's getting fouled on these step backs. You know, I, I think some guys feel like he's baiting players into it. He's baiting the refs into making these calls, but you see the I replay, there's contact. He's just, he's, it's not like he's, it's not the ref's fault. It's yeah. the player's fault, like for fouling him yes. and his fault for being so good at drawing the fouls. Like right. I, the, eliminate the refs from the whole conversation. Like they're just mm-hmm. doing what they would do for any other player that was doing the same thing. Right. I don't like the argument that you should officiate someone differently based on how they play. Also, refs, I guarantee, like, and I know that um, Houston has said this, like they don't think he gets enough calls yeah. because refs are conscious of the fact right. that everyone thinks they're giving him too many calls. Yes. Like you could, I think it's, there's a better argument that he's not getting enough calls than that he's getting right. too many calls. Well, I think what people don't like is you watch a Rockets game on national TV, Harden draws you know, six free throws in the first quarter and then you know, dribbles out the clock to end the quarter, steps back, gets hit, doesn't get a call, and then complains about it when, you know, there probably should have been a call on that play, but he's already gotten a few. Right. The refs don't call it, but then people see him complaining about it when he's already been to the free throw line six times. And I think if it was something where there was this grand referee conspiracy to get James Harden to the free throw line, um, I mean, this is basically played out for the last seven years of his career. I mean, he's averaging 11.1, or excuse me, 10.8, free throws per 36 this year that's a career high but he's been right around 10 you know since the 2012-13 season and in in terms of free throw rate you know his free throw rate this year is as low as it's been since his rookie year and part of that is he's just taking more shots outside of free throws um but you know this isn't anything new and it didn't feel like people had the same issues last year for whatever reason yeah I, i think uh you know it's obviously not decided yet but um if things kind of keep going the way they're going, mm-hmm. I I would vote Harden, but I fully expect Giannis to win yep. by like eighty percent of the vote or something. Like really that, that much? I, I think I think I would go with Harden right now too, but I think it'll be I think it'll be Giannis and it'll be closer to like sixty five thirty five. Yeah, I just I think the media is gonna just love this Giannis yeah. thing and I mean it, I think it just is way more of a media fun thing to do yeah. to vote for Giannis than to vote for Harden. Right that's the thing you have to yeah. keep in mind who is voting yeah. and Giannis has done everything right in terms of getting people on your side uh to make this vote um I mean are you with me that the that this the gap between wins is not big enough that 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 should matter or does the Bucks winning seven or eight more than Houston even if it's in the east you know, does I, just, that really I think just factoring in team context I think what Harden's the wins Harden team Harden's team has is just as impressive as the wins Giannis's team has so I don't I, that doesn't really factor to me at all okay um third in the MVP voting is it still PG yeah I think that that's fine um I mean I I think just the games played like if I think if Steph had played as many games I might give him consideration but yeah I think I think it's Paul George pretty easily yeah i mean he's fallen off a bit since the shoulder injury um you know a little bit after the all-star break but yeah i think the game's missed for steph and i I think maybe i hold this against him more than others but golden state winning as few games as they're going to win with this roster and and you know not necessarily steph's fault it seems like they win when steph's and you know when he's on the court and they kind of fall apart when he's not on the court uh but to end the season with like 55 or 56 wins like they're on pace for um you know to me that's a pretty massive disappointment defensive player of the year this this one seems like it's just kind of the same old names nobody i'm yet to hear a really compelling argument 
for why it should be Rudy Gobert, why it should be Giannis, why it should be Paul George, whoever else you want to throw in there. To me, it, it just seems like it's going to default to Gobert because he won it last year and played half the season. And you know, this year he's avoided major injuries. He's been slightly worse, but mostly the same. And, and no one else has really stepped up to to claim it from him. I think it's actually. I think it's going to be Giannis. I think he's okay. going to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Um, it's it's really really tough. I I could. I think it's though it's between Gobert and Giannis for me. I think um, Embiid maybe has a case. He'll at least be in the conversation, right or wrong. Yeah, I think Embiid and like Paul George are both in the mix a little bit. Uh, I still, I, I think, I think Giannis is deserving, except that I think people underrate the defensive impact that Brook Lopez has on mm-hmm. on like all the all the defensive stats are just there's so much noise in them because they are really. Uh, many times dependent on just who else you're playing with and so i mean you're going to just see a bunch of like bucks right finishing high in all these like well you look at like defensive like, win shares and defensive box plus minus Giannis and gobert are one two that seems right miles turner's third and defensive box box plus minus that sounds right who's fourth russell westbrook yeah so, so like, <laughs> like it's all right can we actually trust this i have no idea mason um, plumley's in the top six yeah and then you have just some i think it might be like win shares where it just all it's like all centers in the top 20 or something yeah, like Vucevic that. Yeah, Vucevic is six in that. But Lopez is eighth, to your point. Um, I, Jokic is a top 10 defensive win share center. I think the case for Giannis is just his like defensive uh, versatility and mm-hmm. the fact that he kind of impacts defense in, on like all every layer of the court. Uh, Gobert, I think just the fact that they're once again, they're going to finish second in the league, I think, in uh, defensive rating. After um, starting poorly too I mean, yeah climb their way up there i mean that's just like he's in that sort of james harden steph curry like camp defensively where just him being on your team guarantees you mm-hmm. a top five defense uh like just having Giannis on your team i don't think guarantees you a top five defense but you could argue that he's a more valuable defender in like a single playoff series just because you can't like we've seen Gobert neutralized yep. and like, but I mean, this is a regular season award. So should that even matter? Uh, I could go either way on this. I think I'd, I think I'd probably lean Giannis uh, just because of the versatility, but I, I think Gobert is very deserving as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it'll come down to those two and they'll, they'll kind of be the runaway first and second in some order coach of the year, no shortage of candidates. I think Budenholzer has been the clubhouse leader for this virtually since mid-November. Uh, they got off to that great start and haven't really looked back. They, I think they lost back-to-back games you know, a little under a month ago for the first time. They've, you know, Like I said, they've slowed down a little bit, but some of that has been the Brogdon injury, Miritich being hurt, Giannis, you know, load management. I think it's Bud until, until further notice, but, I mean, you could name Doc Rivers, uh, Nate McMillan, Mike Malone, Kenny Atkinson. All those guys, to me, are, are plenty deserving. Yeah, I think I think uh, my top four is probably Bud, Popovich, Malone, and McMillan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Doc. I think Doc's getting like a little too much credit. I think the front office there just did an awesome, awesome job of yep. putting a really underrated roster together. And like the fact that it was underrated, people are just saying, "Oh, well, like it's Doc gets the credit." Like I think it's just the I, I give the front office more credit than I give Doc personally for how good they've been this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could probably make the same case with the Bucks, but 
um, just the narrative is is so strong with Bud. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think Pop, like the fact that Mike Malone has the Nuggets as a top ten defense right now is really yeah. remarkable. And the fact that Pop has this team cruise into the playoffs with the their roster is really something mm-hmm. else as well. I feel like Malone's case was a little bit stronger before the All-Star break when, you know, they for a while there they were the clear leader in the West. You know, I think they were at one point thirty seven and fifteen, then they lost three straight before the break, and you know, they lost three straight shortly after. And it, it, it seems like they just haven't been quite as good. Uh, whereas the Bucks haven't fallen off to that degree. But I'm with you on Pop. I mean, this is yet another year where if you're if you're just judging it on like pure coaching performance results versus talent on roster, you know, this is probably like the eighth time that you could give it to Pop. But I don't I don't know that he has a narrative this year to win it. Yeah, and I think there's I think there's just some voter fatigue with yeah. this this award is just so stupid, really. Like the fact that it's just like it's basically most improved coach. We have to we can't just give it to the best coach every year. We have to give it to the team that the team that replaced the worst coach gets it. Right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, Jason Kidd should get a share of this. Like award. Jason Kidd is just as responsible yes. for Bud's candidacy as Bud is. I think it should be split between Bud, Kidd, and Prunty. All three should should co accept it. Six man. Yeah, I know you said you didn't even entertain this one. I think it's it's going to Lou Williams. This is probably the biggest runaway that it's ever been. This will be his. Second straight six-man-of-the-year award, his third in the last five years. Um, the Clippers just continue to turn out six-men-of-the-year, whether it's him or Crawford or guys like Eric Gordon who played for the Clippers and then go elsewhere and win it. Uh, but I, I think at, that, at this point, you know, Lou Will's having arguably his best year, and you know he's – I don't even know who else is, is close to him right now. Most improved player. This one's a little bit more interesting, and, and as always, it, it in some ways depends on how you define the award – I think it's going to be Pascal Siakam. I think he's very deserving. But if you look at the recent winners of this award, it, it has gone more towards guys who've made the leap from kind of half superstar or half star to, you know, legitimate star. Guys like Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Victor Oladipo. Um, so if you want to use that criteria, you know, someone like D'Angelo Russell would make sense. Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald. I also wrote down Collins, Markinen, Montrez Harrell. I mean, there's probably... There, there's a guy... I have Siakam as my winner uh but there's a guy that i have in second place that you haven't listed yet do you want me to guess yeah conference east east um not a not a player that you or i would typically gravitate towards i don't think so white player (laughs) (laughs) um man that's really tough is it a good team no oh boy I mean, that could be anybody. <laughs> Brad Beal? No. Actually, I look, but no, I would gravitate towards him. S- stupid guess by me. Uh, Vucevic? Yep. Okay. So, I mean, that kind of follows. I mean, not that he's become a superstar, but good player becoming very good player. Yeah, like just doing – and like the, the, the fact that you can just kind of point to just his three-point shooting improvement at like not only taking way more but making way more mm-hmm. – it's kind of like a tangible thing, and then like defensively, he's been better. Uh, probably Steve Clifford has something to do with that, but um, you know, I think he's like the fact that he's even showing up near the top of any of these leaderboards is a surprise mm-hmm. to me, and like the fact that you know he was a deserving all-star like right. i couldn't even make a case for him to not be an all-star like that was surprising yeah. to we me tried like, everything we could but we <laughs> couldn't find any way to keep him out 
Um, no, he's got career highs across the board yeah. in per game stuff, advanced stuff. I mean, that's that's certainly. I mean, he'll be on the list. I remember writing back in September, like, oh, Orlando will maybe try to move Vucevic, open up some time for Mobamba. And I mean, Vucevic over the first month or two of the I, year, like it was very clear that was not going to happen. I remember trashing, like, I don't know what write up it was, like some we did some sort of mock or something, yeah. and I was like, oh, that Vucevic pick in the second round, that's terrible. Like they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna trade him like sometime this winter, and like he's just gonna not play. Yep, and yep. Um, went completely the opposite way. But I I do think Siakam like I know everyone's kind of locked into this idea of him as this role this like overqualified role player. I actually I think his career has a chance to really kind of continue to blossom. Oh, yeah. uh, he I think he's an improving three point shooter and. I think that if you see Kawhi Leonard leave, you know, it might not happen if Kawhi Leonard stays because it would kind of be tough for both of those guys to become um, real focal points. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think if Kawhi Leonard leaves, I think you're going to see Siakam be one of those guys that just continues to get better, kind of like Kawhi Leonard where just people thought that he was just this really good role player until, like, it was clear he was more than that. I think he he could get there. I I agree with you. I I don't know what – what Siakam looks like though as like a number one or number two option you know because he he's not quite as polished like his I mean his, when you watch these games without Kawhi Leonard he's the best player on the floor you know 80% of the time he's out there but I think he would be kind of a like Sean Marion type of superstar where that's a or, really good comp. not superstar but like well, where I mean, it's just like he's, he's all getting all these crazy statistics right. but not really having any plays run for him yeah. necessarily no, that's a good way to put it. I mean, you watch these games, like so many of his points are get a rebound and fly down the right. court. He's like halfway behind the backboard and then just banks it in. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I don't know that he'll ever be a guy like Kawhi now where you can get it to him and he can get to the hole, you know, put moves on guys. Um, and I think, I think one of the nice things about Siakam is he's not really trying to be that guy. Like, I don't think he ever wants his own team. You know, it's a little too early to, to project <laughs> anything like that. But like, I think he's totally fine just being an awesome, awesome role player playing yeah. the way he does. Like he's never going to demand the ball um you know at any point let's take a quick break to talk about fanduel.com the presenting sponsor of the rotowire nba podcast the nba regular season is nearing its end but that does not mean your fantasy basketball season is coming to a close fanduel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy hoops no matter what you're looking for fanduel is something for everyone tons of different contests and formats to choose from with entry fees starting at just 25 cents per entry all you have to do is pick a contest choose your team and enjoy watching your results in real time. Obviously, contests will be running through the end of the regular season, but FanDuel also runs contests all the way through the NBA postseason and into the finals in June. So still plenty of time to get in on the action this season. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, all you have to do is sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. All you have to do, again, is go to fanduel.com slash rw. That's fanduel.com slash rw. Void where prohibited. All NBA. Give me your first team. Okay. Uh, First team is... Steph Curry, James Harden, Paul George, and Giannis, uh, and then Jokic at center. Uh, so, I look. I Paul George and KD, I think is is really tough. Uh, but I think to me, Paul George has just undeniably had the better year. The fact that he's third for MVP, I don't. 
I don't buy that. Like, I, I don't understand the logic of putting a guy third for MVP, but then putting another guy in the same position right. ahead of him on all NBA. Like, that just doesn't really compute for me. Uh, Jokic over the rest of the centers. I just, I think he's had a better year than, than all of them. I think that he's uh, the best player by quite a bit on a top four or five team in the league and none of those other guys can say that um and then i actually i i wanted to put dame lillard ahead of steph curry uh but i just couldn't really make a case for it like i think what lillard's doing is very deserving Mm -hmm. of first team honors but just steph's having like a normal steph here that's still yep too good yeah i mean we saw last year lillard was the first teamer but it was really only because Steph missed too many games. And I, I think this year Steph's played enough. I mean, that's not really a question at this point. So, yeah, I mean, four of those five are locks. I mean, you could quibble LeBron versus Giannis. You know, I, I had that debate, certainly. Do you – you don't think – you think uh, Paul George is a lock? I, I think there's a case for Durant, but I, I'm with you that he's near the consensus. It's either him or Jokic for third. I haven't heard a case for Kevin Durant third in MVP. So, like, if you're going to put him third or fourth on your MVP ballot and he's for sure ahead of Kevin Durant, yeah. I don't know where where you reverse course on that and put him on put KD on first team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think – I mean, the, the way that the Thunder have played lately certainly doesn't help, and they're, you know, they're kind of limping down the stretch and the schedule's not great. Uh, but they're going to make the playoffs. You know, it's not like it can only get so bad for them um and I, I think Paul George will hold on I mean I think he he had an, enough of a memorable run kind of in the middle of the season around the all-star break that you know once you kind of solidify yourself in that top three it's hard to fall out I actually went with Embiid at center I knew you disagree um I think his defensive contributions um you know he's averaging like seven more points per game than Jokic uh and I know they you know high usage he's got better teammates etc he's in the east but I think that one's close, uh, and I went with Embiid. But That's fine. Yeah, the I other four, the other four are locks. I don't I mean I don't strongly disagree yeah. with it. I just slightly disagree with it. Okay, so. That's fine. Is Embiid your second team center? Yes. Okay. So who are your other four? Uh, so I have obviously Dame Lillard, obviously Kevin Durant. We touched on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a huge gap between Durant and the next best forward, and a huge gap between Lillard and the next best guard. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyrie for the guard spot, and I'm going to go with LeBron for the forward spot, but uh, it really, really doesn't – I don't <laughs> feel good about it. I'm really looking forward to LeBron's celebratory Instagram <laughs> post about making second team. Yeah, I mean, it's – I feel the same way. I mean, you know, I I, I know you're probably struggling because you didn't want to put him on second team. Like, I, I was fully prepared to move LeBron down to third team, but – He's played one fewer game than Kawhi. He'll probably end up playing more games than Kawhi when it's all said and done. Blake has not been great um, these last few weeks. And, I mean, Detroit's not going to end up being all that much better than the Lakers, even though the Lakers just don't win anymore. Uh, so I went Jokic, KD, LeBron, Lillard. Uh, I actually went Brad Beal as that's, my second team guard. That's legit. I, yeah, I, I, it was between him and Kyrie. I think Kyrie's very, very close to those the guys I have on my third team at guard. Mm-hmm. Like, the gap between Lillard and Kyrie is is just massive yep. in terms of how deserving I think they are for second team. Uh, and, like, yeah, with LeBron and Kawhi, I think the you kind of have to just factor out the, all the noise with, like, this Lakers team when you're making this uh, decision. Like, I think it's a completely different thing than, like, the Anthony Davis thing. Um you know what Anthony Davis like 
is not playing and not re- or not playing a ton and not helping his team win like by his own sort of choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas LeBron, there's just all this circus around the Lakers, but I don't think you can factor that into his play on the court. Right. Like I don't think it's um, as big of a deal. And he was so good early in the season. I mean, he still shows up higher than Kawhi on yeah. pretty much every leaderboard you're going to see. So I think. I I mean, at the end of last year, you know, the, the conversation was LeBron's 33 and he just turned in arguably, you know, depending on what stats you want to look like his best, you know, his best regular season, 82 games, 27 and a half points, nine assists, almost nine rebounds. You look at the numbers this year, exact same number of points per game. Uh, he's one fewer assists, so he's still at eight a game. Same rebounds, 8.6. Same steals, 1.3. He's dropped a little bit field goal percentage-wise, but um, almost identical from two. Most of that is he's just chucking a ton of long threes and not making very many. Um, and I, I do tend to base these type of things more off of numbers than I do other factors, team success, things like that. Yeah. So the numbers are there for LeBron. And I mean, you- that, like the uh, everyone knows he doesn't, care about defense oh, like in the regular season but that's that's been the case for like right. three years he like, was a no-brainer first teamer last year like, and he's putting up almost identical numbers um yeah it it's i think that the point where we don't consider him a lock for uh one of the top two all nba teams is is coming a yep. lot sooner than than we'd like but uh this year i think he he still makes the cut okay well here's a question would you say over under second team for lebron next year or does he hit second team again like do you expect him to bounce back and all of a sudden he's back in the first team conversation a big part of this problem is just the it's it's kind of shocking how shallow the high-end talent at at forward is in the league right now like the fact that like i mean we're gonna get to third team in a second but like the fact that i can't find a guy better than blake griffin for the sixth best forward in the league uh i it's you know you look at these last i think they talked about this on uh dunked on maybe like if you look at these last like four draft classes like luka Doncic is really the only guy who's clearly like all nba caliber of like a talent and that includes like you know ingram uh tatum, tatum. simmons yeah. mitchell like all the best guys from these classes uh, I mean, Towns is 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 certainly um, an outlier there, but like it's just there haven't been these sort of guys where you're like, oh, he's clearly going to be a star. Right. I think a lot of people thought that was going to be Tatum or, or Simmons. Yeah. They both took steps back. I think it, I think like Doncic and Zion are kind of the next guys coming yeah. for a, an All NBA forward spot. So uh, I think I would actually say LeBron makes second team next year. <laughs> maybe even makes first team um you know if Kawhi goes to the Clippers and is able to play 10 more games than Mm -hmm. he did this year and LeBron misses time with another injury then it'll probably be Kawhi but uh I I think he's I I still think LeBron is like at 60 games pretty much a lock to be on one of the three teams next year well the interesting thing this year too is injuries haven't really been a factor it's not like it's not like you're struggling because a couple of guys are hurt and they you can't really count them because they've only played 35 games like I guess Davis fits that if you but he's really the only one and he and he's obviously like a special circumstance usually there's one or two guys Victor Oladipo maybe but I I don't know that he was really a lock to make anything but maybe third team you know he's in the conversation he He, he wouldn't be on the second team he would have been in the mix for third team probably but like I mean like Jimmy Butler, not Jimmy Butler and Draymond Green not being really in this mix anymore right. is is part of the problem too. Yeah, uh, I mean, you look back last year, Lamarcus Aldridge was a second teamer last year. 
Yeah. He's not in the, I didn't really consider him. I mean, he would he'd be on the short list of guys. Like if if Blake Griffin didn't exist, right. I would probably consider him for 13. He made it over Paul George last year. Yeah. But again, injuries were part of it. You know, John Wall you know, isn't going to be in the mix next year even. Uh, for the most part, like you said, it's been the same cast of characters, really not not just at forward, but at guard even too for the last five, six, seven years. Uh, I don't know if we'll see IT though back in this anytime <laughs> soon. Okay, give me your third team. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Towns. Um, I think I probably had Gobert on one of these last time we did it, but mm-hmm. I think Towns has just been – I mean, the guys he's playing with now, it's just – it's really pathetic. So um, <laughs> I think Towns has earned it. Yeah, baby. Uh, and then uh, – I have Brad Beal and Drew Holiday as my guards, and then I have Blake and Kawhi as the forwards. Okay, I went Gobert at center. Could go either way on that one. Um, I, I think, I guess, if I have a winning defensive player of the year, I can I can get him in there at center. Blake Griffin at forward, Kawhi at forward, Kyrie as a guard, who you had your second team. Now I'm going to go Russell Westbrook. You and I have had this debate off and on and more, most recently i think what yesterday <laughs> and i i mean i love drew Alday as much as anybody he's he's on my fourth team which we'll get to in a second but there's something about russell westbrook that is in some ways unquantifiable um you're leaving him off and he's averaging a triple double and you're not going to be the only person who does that and it, to me that means i mean you're justified in doing it i'm not i'm not saying it's a crazy thing to do he's averaging 23 11 10 and a half and two steals and yet there's a case to be made that he doesn't belong all, on the All-NBA team. Um, he's an incredibly unique player in that respect. But but to me, I, who was it? I forget who it was. that. Um, I think it was on the Zach Lowe, Rosillo pod last week. They, they said there's just something when you watch him play that even though he takes so many bad shots, even though he has bad turnovers, even though he can melt down at any point, like there's something about him that affects games. And more often than not, even though the numbers might not back it up sometimes. Like, you want that guy well, out there I, with you. I think they have – it's – the Thunder have this identity with Westbrook yes. where their identity is, like, he's the primary ball handler right. and everything kind of flows through him. But that's sort of a chosen and embraced identity. It's not a – like, you know, if you put Russell Westbrook on any other team in the league – unless it was just a terrible team with terrible guards, things would just not work this way. Like it, it would, it would be, I like, so part of my argument is like, I, I promise you that if like Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday were on this team, instead of Westbrook, mm-hmm. uh, they would be better, but that's like under the condition that they were planning to be without Westbrook because like you take away his primary ball handling and then you're stuck with Dennis Schroeder handling the ball a yeah, ton. Yeah. Um, but like they're just he doesn't help you win the way that so many of these mm. other players do like i i think mike conley is probably on a per game basis having a better year than than sure. westbrook like i just think it's it it looks like he's impacting the game because he is impacting the game because of the way that they use him but it's like kind of a flawed uh they built a, yeah. a sort of a flawed machine where he has to be so impactful right. and it just completely caps their their ceiling to me like I, I've heard so many people say that like they're the biggest threat to the Warriors in the playoffs this year yeah. like I'm gonna pick the Thunder to lose in the first round unless they play the Blazers and that's in light of the Nurkic situation I, I probably would have done I that any good, I probably would have done that anyway just because I, I don't to think me. the Blazers are yeah gonna win in well the playoffs, we had, we were talking yesterday you one of us said you know if you swap Dame and Westbrook 
the Blazers get way worse and the Thunder probably get way better, right? If you if you swap those two specific players, like my god, like the the Blazers would be, just be terrible and right. uh and the Thunder would be by far Pretty the good. second best team in the league, I think. Like I, by far. Like I don't even think it would be close that they would be the second best team in the league if you switched those two guys. But if you pulled and this is this isn't like going against your point. If you pulled, you know, the the average NBA fan, 100 NBA fans, and asked who's better, Westbrook or Lillard, most people would say Russ, right? I think it'd be overwhelmingly Russ. I think like your really deep like fans of like the the league yeah. that are following it like very very closely would probably say Lillard, but sure. like just ninety percent of just your average fans yeah. would would say Russ, and they wouldn't even think twice about right. it. Which, yeah, I mean, I, I I like I said, it's hard to explain why, but like to me. He's just, he's just so impactful and at times can be negatively impactful. Um, well, just like the fact that um, in the I, – I'm, I'm probably a bad person for uh, looking forward to this, but one of the things I'm most looking oh, yeah. forward to in the playoffs is just watching teams scheme against Russ in the playoffs because it's just so funny to me that like they – like the, the best game plan against the Thunder is to let Russ do more. Like – how how good could he be if like the way to beat them is to let him do even more than he's already doing? <laughs> he's going to be a really interesting guy to evaluate in like twenty years. For some reason, I think that it's going to go the opposite way of what you're saying. Like I think I think his legacy is going to age really well because people are going to look back and be like, this guy averaged a triple double for three straight years, possibly more after this. Like I, I don't think that's going to fade. You know, then you'll look to the left on Basketball Reference and see he's shooting sixty five percent from the line and you well, know 29% from 3 I think it'll be I think it'll just be a lot like the way Allen Iverson's sure. age which where, I think is pretty good No but but I think it's more because like nobody's going to really take pleasure in like just talking about how bad a guy or like how overrated a guy was like right. there's the people that love Allen Iverson who are like always going to celebrate Allen Iverson and there's the people Me. that know that he was like always pretty overrated but like what's there to be gained by just like going out of your way to keep saying right. like Allen Iverson was overrated I agree with you but I don't think I've heard m- many people say he's overrated I think with Iverson the knock on him was the off-court stuff whereas Russ doesn't really have that I, I just think I think this this kind of stuff that we're quibbling over now well, how do you think warranted will fade how do you think Kobe's legacy is going to age well, it depends who you're asking. I think it's <laughs> right. aged really well so far, right? Partially because of how much of a disaster they've been since he left. I don't know. You know, they haven't, nobody, like his, his legacy has been able to just kind of sit there because no one else has taken, you know, taken the throne, right? Like they've just been a complete gong show for, for lack of a better term um, since he left. So I, I don't know. There's, there hasn't been anybody to replace him. So it kind of seems like his legacy has just kind of continued. Yeah, and I don't know when that's going to stop. Hopefully soon. <laughs> All right, I threw together a, a fourth team, which can also double as just some guys' notable misses. Towns, uh, Anthony Davis, who has made it as both a center and a forward in the past, so he can kind of go either way. Lamarcus Aldridge, Kemba Walker, who's very deserving, but just couldn't find a spot for him on the top three, and then Drew Holiday. Others, you know, guys who I thought would be in contention. Somebody who I thought would probably make it at the beginning of the year, Ben Simmons really i mean he's put together a very good year but just hasn't really improved in virtually any facet you know the way people thought clay thompson always in the mix always seemed to grab a third team spot when you think he won't i think i think clay thompson was clay thompson and rudy gobert were probably the two best mm-hmm. players i had to leave off mine yeah clay i mean i think clay seems to do better by like by the writers voting like he's just you know he's on a great team he's yeah. efficient you know never, he's so good he's I, I think he might good. be the i think he might be the most underrated player yeah. in the league honestly 
Yeah, and I part of me hopes that he never like quote unquote gets his own team. Like I just love that he's in this role and might he might just go fourteen straight years of twenty points and forty yeah. percent shooting. <laughs> like just do what you do best. Yeah. Uh, DeRozan, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, D'Angelo Russell, Jimmy Butler, Lou Williams, Ursan Eliasova, Draymond Green, Andre Drummond, and Kyle Lowry were the other guys who. If you really, really wanted to string together a, a third team case, maybe you could do it. Does Luca take Blake Griffin's spot next year? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if takes Blake Griffin's spot is the right way to put it, but I think by virtue of an injury or some other happenstance, he'll be on there. And I think the fact that he could be a guard or a forward helps him, right? Sure. You could make a case that he's a guard, or you can make a case sure. that he's a forward. So he, basically, he has kind of twice as many options uh, in terms of filling those spots. I think he makes it next year, though. His, his numbers aren't going to yeah, no, go I, down. I right? think I think he makes it too. I think he will uh, improve notably uh, in between rookie I think and so sophomore too. year. Is this the summer that he that he bulks up? Well, bulks I, down? I, I was going to say I think this is the summer where he does what the Mavs tell him to do in terms of eating and conditioning. Right. I felt I, I, didn't he like basically take most of last summer off? Yeah, I mean, I, he played his way into shape this year. Yeah, he didn't play summer league. They sat him out because he had played so much at the end of that at the Euro Cup or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he came in out of shape, but I don't think he was nearly in as good a shape as he probably is in right now. Right. Um, okay, all rookie. Just tell me basically if you have any any qualms with any okay. of these. First team all rookie couple locks Doncic, trey young i think ayton's a lock and then my two forwards and i look back at this that they there's really no positionality when it comes to all rookie there's usually at least one big guy but other than that it's kind of whatever um so Doncic, young ayton jaron jackson marvin bagley i'm fine i'm fine with all that yep jaron jackson's played 58 games he's probably done for the year marvin bagley's at 54 right now he should get around 60 second team colin sexton shea gilgis alexander mitchell robinson landry shamit and in a very, very tough decision, I went with Kevin Herter over Wendell Carter and McCall Bridges. So I would probably sub McCall Bridges in for Colin Sexton. Fair. Uh, and then I don't think – I mean, how many games has Wendell Carter played? Like 50? Uh, I think less than that even. That's, that yeah. was the cutoff. See, I would have liked to put him in for Mitchell Robinson, but I'd probably just leave it as is. Then he after 44 that. games. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if he plays six more, he's probably in there. I, I think I mean, I mean, think Colin Sexton kind of sucks. Uh, McCall Bridges, <laughs> I think, is not amazing, but I think he's just a better player than Colin Sexton. So. I, I will say Bridges' numbers weren't quite as good as I thought when I checked. He has been playing a ton of minutes on a terrible team, so he's not exactly in a great spot, but like his shooting numbers were a little iffier. And like Colin Sexton, I, I agree with you that he's actually not good, and I, I don't think in the long term he's going to be very good. But I mean, sixteen points a game, three rebounds, three assists as a rookie. You know, he's he's up to forty one percent from three. Three assists is yeah. well so incriminating. I for an article that actually went up on the site right before we started recording, I, I looked up how many guys have averaged thirty three minutes a game, um, at least twenty points because that's what he's been at for like the last two months, and then fewer than two rebounds or fewer than three rebounds fewer than three assists and there was five guys in nba history and like the only one who was even like semi-recent was alan houston the rest were all like 70s and 80s sure <laughs> so yeah and that's the thing is like what i wrote is like yeah he's scoring the ball better than we thought he's a 41 percent three-point shooter which is way but like i would have guessed he would be in the 20s so that's a nice surprise i guess isn't his problem more finishing at the rim than like, yeah, it was he's like getting, better than expected right. shooting and worse than expected. Well, not even. Shoot. Yeah, I don't even think he gets to the rim. I think he just settles for a lot of jumpers. He doesn't get to the line really three times a game, which for a guy who's playing that many minutes, not great. But the other thing too is like 
what was it what was the big selling point on him coming out of college was defense you know he's this dogged defender he's going to get a bunch of steals one 0.5 steals a game 0.1 blocks per game like he's he's doing the things well that we thought he was bad at and he's sucking at the things that we thought he was good at like he's not trending to be a starting point guard he he's looking like maybe a maybe, spark like plug maybe he could be like reggie jackson right yeah, yeah. that's the, to me that would be like an awesome outcome if you're the Cavs. you kept you held on to that brooklyn pick to get the next reggie jackson Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 